This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about What If, Episode 4. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart, not his hands? If the other Strange succeeds in reversing an absolute point in our universe... You mean saving Christine? He cannot save her, Stephen. The resulting temporal paradox will destroy this universe. Our time is running out. I fear the only sorcerer strong enough to stop Doctor Strange is... You, Doctor Strange. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to this strange podcast indeed. Yes, it's the Defenders podcast on TVPI, and we're looking at episode four of What If? What if Doctor Strange lost his heart, not his hands? I am one of your strange hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And I'm running at the group. I am Chris. We're all back together after our yes, holiday. Back in yeah. the saddle. Or dare I say it, harness. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we should probably change the name of this episode to What If This Was About Doctor Strange and John Had To Come On. <laughs> yes, yes, John was supposed to have another episode off because we have his mom visiting this week. Yes, right, which, is really nice. which is strange indeed after 18 months. Yeah, and we- that is Strange Tales. We'll yes. Yes, but we did say um, that the only way he would join us for this episode, the only way that he must join us for this episode, if it's about Doctor Strange. And of course, that is the episode about Doctor Strange. We saw the name pop up uh, for the episode as it arrived on Disney Plus on Wednesday morning. And he went, okay, I guess I'm recording on Saturday. (laughs) Indeed. I mean, we're a little late this time, but that's where we're back from holiday. And of course, this episode brought us two timelines of a single person as in doctor strange Mm -hmm. in one universe that is part of a multiverse so this was very layered indeed and dare i say it dimensions and maybe a few realms as well as cloaks don't forget the layered cloaks layered cloaks and a lost library wherever it was lost i don't know yeah Lots to talk about in this episode. One thing I do want to say up front, um, because I'm a big podcast fan and I want to make sure that everybody knows exactly how we're covering uh, our stuff on the podcast. As we said, we're a little bit late this week uh, with this episode because we're on holidays. We'll be back to normal uh, from next week onwards. But that does mean that our Shang-Chi coverage is going to be delayed. We've missed it in the cinema. It came out uh, this weekend. We're not going to see it in the cinema. So uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to be lining it up when it releases on Disney+, Plus, which is in 45 days, I believe so. It should be coming out in October. Um, so we'll probably be able to all sit down and chat about Shang-Chi, which I've heard fantastic things about. I've heard great, great uh, r- reports uh, from fans from Marvel. And uh, stay through the credits because there's two post-credit scenes. And of course, everybody always stays through the credits for Marvel, right? You have to. It's a, it's a, it's a stay now. You have it, to. it is, absolutely. So if you do see us between now and when we record, send in your thoughts. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and we'll uh, discuss them when we do our Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings podcast. Definitely. I cannot wait to see it. Me too. Yes. With that, gentlemen, should we jump in to 
The strange tales that is what if. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Uh, once again, executive producer of the show, uh, Brian Andrews, AC Bradley, Brad Winterbaum, uh, with Kevin Feige. Uh, head writer for the show is AC Bradley, who wrote this episode once again, and the episode was directed by Brian Andrews. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. One small choice can change the world or destroy a universe. Christine Palmer accepts Stephen Strange's invitation to the medical dinner in his honour, but that fateful night results in the death of Christine, and Stephen Strange survives the car crash and his hands are untouched. But Stephen realises how close he and Christine were. Racked by grief, Stephen searches for meaning and learns the mystic arts at Camotage under the direction of the Ancient One. Two years later, still grieving his lost love, Doctor Strange attempts to use the Eye of Agamotto repeatedly to save Christine. In all scenarios, she dies. An echo of the Ancient One warns Stephen that Christine's death is an absolute point in the timeline that cannot be undone, and using the Eye will destroy the fabric of reality. But the arrogant Strange refuses to listen, so the Ancient One splits Strange into two alternate versions on the same timeline. One accepts Christine's death and heads for tea with Wong, while the other heads on a journey to the lost library of Cagliostro in his attempt to save Christine. At the library, with the help of the mystical Obeng, the Sorcerer Supreme discovers in the Book of Cagliostro how to gain the power to break the absolute point by absorbing the magical energy of other mystical creatures, in particular that of a powerful tentacled creature. The more he absorbs, the more his grasp of reality fades. Taking on the forms and powers of his prey, he becomes Strange Supreme. He must finally confront and absorb the energy of himself contained in the alternate Doctor Strange. In the final battle, Strange Supreme overpowers Doctor Strange and absorbs his powers, using it to finally resurrect Christine. But his actions tear reality apart, disintegrating the universe around him, including Christine. Strange Supreme begs the Watcher for help, but he refuses to intervene. As Christine fades from Stranger's hold, leaving Strange Supreme to grieve alone as his universe collapses. I am getting flashbacks to our comic book coverage of Doctor Strange, John. Um, this really <laughs> yes. felt like a proper animated version of some of the Doctor Strange comics. There was obviously the, the with the what if twist on it, but it did feel to feel like it was incorporating lots of the elements that you would see in the Doctor Strange comics. Um, we usually have our initial point for our top three for the episode. What if we had seen it before? What movie was this involved in? And this is simply Doctor Strange. It's the first one of the of the uh, episodes so far that hasn't really incorporated anything other than the Doctor Strange movie, and almost feels like something that sits alongside it. We can watch it now every time we watch Doctor Strange. Yeah, no, this is simply just um, the the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. Uh, it, and, I mean, they really condense it. I mean, we were saying about how, and um, we've gotten a lot of feedback saying how they feel like the movie is condensed into half an hour. Mm-hmm. This actually was the movie condensed primarily into the first maybe 10 minutes exactly um i mean to the point well, of yes. <laughs> yeah to to the point of you know dormammu i've come to bargain um and there, yeah. and then it is like this whole new element of the story actually yeah. and i mean and that's the thing i i guess that distinguishes this possibly from what we've seen it's just it, it's scale yeah. it's yeah. simply scale this is a 
you, this is where the butterfly flaps its wings and you get a hurricane. Um, and it, it is at the universal scale. I think the others we've seen it, it on, on earth, the changes, manifested changes on earth. Yeah. Um, it's manifested them within the galaxy or the wider universe in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know things we, still we don't know whether they've happened or not say like with from the T'Challa episode with uh, Ego he was still a threat even though Thanos had been kind of nullified as a threat mm-hmm. here the threat is ultimately coming from um one of the good guys really exactly. yeah, exactly. um or, or even if that good guy generally does sit slightly aloof from uh, the likes of the Avengers and what have you and decides to you know meditate whilst there's a civil war going on mm. yes he has his own defenders to look after exactly um i i like this because this for me is the getting closer and closer to the premise of what the what if comic books Absolutely. which is they they to date we've had a lot based on the premise of the films mm-hmm. yeah this is now going okay you know dr change there's been one here's beyond Here's what yeah. happens beyond that one small bit changes. Majority of it stays the same. The yeah. whole fil- first film pretty much stays the same. He just, he has his hands and he lost his heart. And then this is the ramifications of that. Um, and I was just so impressed by the, the scale of what they did. And yeah. by yeah. the scale, I mean, from a story narrative perspective, they basically very much, um, as John has said a few times, the reigns, um, they've taken the reins off the writers in this one went, do you know what? Here, tell your story. Yeah. What would you like to see? What is that one weird thing? And that's what we started to get. Absolutely. And we've, and we've always said that when we were doing our coverage of a Doctor Strange comic books, that when a writer gets to work on Doctor Strange, they really get to play in a completely different universe a lot of the time. They don't have to stick to the standard Earthbound heroes kind of storylines. Yeah. They can get and play uh, with this mad universe that he tends to occupy. I think they did a great job here. Let's talk about that one small change then. Uh, our second kind of major point. What is the change here? Because it's kind of set up a little bit from the Watcher at the beginning. This isn't going to be like the rest of the stories he's yeah. told. He introduces it as, you know, what if they make the the wrong change? What if they make the wrong choice and wrong decision? Uh, and what if it goes badly effectively and affects the universe really weirdly or really strangely, of course? Um, so there's a few changes, really, isn't there? Um, the one big one from the movie side, there's a, a an early moment um, in Doctor Strange, the movie, where there's a reference to the fact that Stephen had had a relationship with Christine in the past, but it was it wasn't really a relationship which she specifically says didn't even last. There was nothing there. And he asks her along to a dinner with him. And she go, and she turns him down saying she doesn't want to go to a, another place where he's just going to bore everybody with his, with his speech. Yeah. And, and it's about him and mm. it, it's not about her. Um, yeah. that, that's the thing. And I think, um, you know, I, I guess in the movie, certainly now with this companion piece in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, here they are playing up that actually, um, Strange is more involved with Christine, or I, I think for me, it's more that the change of her accepting the invite and coming along, her death then really hits home yeah. to, to Stephen yeah. how much he cared for her, how much, um, 
he missed it over that intervening two years and that's where his heart crumbles so it you know it's the grief actually in, in that sense there's a there's a slight WandaVision-esque type thing yeah. here in, in in looking at it. Um, and that's where it is. It, it's not necessarily that they were a couple and it was they were going out. This was her coming along for a dinner and I guess them reliving, you know, their old relationship to some extent. You know, they've remained friends, you yeah. know, I think. And I think that's more down to Christine understanding you know, Stephen, in in a sense, you know, before the accident, even in the normal universe, is more in love with himself. Um, and, you know, there's the arrogance, I mean, bordering on narcissism that he is the ultimate surgeon supreme, I yeah. guess, just to take from uh, the current one of the current uh, comic runs. Um, but this is where he understands how much she meant to him and that breaks his heart through the grief ultimately yeah, yeah. i i loved it that everyone was like oh what if she died no 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 the what if is she said yes to going to the dinner and that's yeah. The, yeah. The, the even the, the the better part of that they don't even show that yeah that's it just it's just starts with it, essentially him picking her up and this is what this is the as i said this is the what if i wanted Everyone has that premise. They did the quick show through. So there is a slight expectation to a degree. Hey, you kind of, you've seen this before. So they are now into that part of it where there's an expectation. You've probably seen the films. If you haven't, you're fine. You're still going to get enjoyment out of these shows. But if you have seen these films to the level that you podcast about them. Mm Yeah. You are really going to find some of the choices in the writing ju- and the choices in the story amazing. Definitely. Absolutely. What did you think of the crash, Chris? Because I know when myself and John watched the episode itself, we felt it had the same kind of impact that it had in the movie. That kind of moment of, that split second of, oh, wow, the, the crash is about to happen right now. How do you think they carried it over in, in its animation? I liked it. Yeah. I liked the f- choice that it was. Now, to a degree where it was his pure arrogance in the film that caused the crash. It this wasn't the arrogance in him. It was actual a a fatal mistake because he he corrects and he fixes yeah. it. Yeah, and then he gets taken out from behind. Was yeah. anybody expecting that the watcher was sitting in the car behind? <laughs> I know, I know exactly. He's just watching you going. Uh. I mean, the amazing thing is, is that car crash scene. The first one, I think it repeats just once more, mm, uh, maybe a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, it is almost. I think frame for frame from the movie. I mean, yeah. you know, it's spinning around on, on the road, crashing over the edge, hitting the roof and going onto that fence and, and, you know, nose down into the water. Yeah. So it's I mean, visceral. Yeah. It's it, a it, visceral car crash. It really you can is. Hear the cr- it's that sports cars are not made for impact and safety. So they crunch and the audio design on that crunch yeah. and that cr- I was like, Oh, you know, every now and again, you're watching a, a like a, a film, and there's like there's a crack of a bone, or like yeah. Yeah. There, there's like that punch, and someone you hear the jaw. Yeah. It's that I heard that, and I was like, oh, that's that was a well designed. Exactly, yeah. and I mean, I mean, just I think from my perspective as well, you know, watch this twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, the first time, just because I didn't know where it was going. I was like going, this is really slow. I, and I was thinking, how are that? How is this going? Because 
I think for all the previous three, it they were contained around either full movies, mm. you know, or it was parts of movies leading to the point, like with the Avengers, you know, that's um that's Fury uh getting the Avengers initiative together and going to each one, which is kind of just in part of the the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Um just part of it almost. I mean there's other different movies coming into it so i was like the i just was kind of thinking okay where is this going to go we're suddenly going to get caecilius is it is it going to be more but it then it just takes this completely different turn you know when when it got to dormammu uh, and strange bargaining i was kind of that's really quick but at the same time i was thinking it was going quite slowly and then watching it the second time knowing what was coming up and um, it all just fitted yeah. really nicely yeah. for me and yeah. um, i have to say it really uh, improved it yeah and like I, it. I think that's just purely from expectation from yeah. the previous three so far because it was um it was a divergence from what happened but a real i mean they've all had divergence yeah. but this yeah. is a real sharp left um, yeah, <laughs> you know, a real sharp left. Would would you say they zigged when they would have zagged? <laughs> I would say they just went sharp left and kept going left <laughs> to the point that they came back round from the right <laughs> and went round again, and then just the scale in the sense that this affected everything. Yeah. This yeah. affected, um, I guess, ego, Thanos, Fury, Captain America, um, you name it anything going on in that universe ultimately um well didn't look too good by the end well, of it did it all all gone exactly yeah. all gone uh, yeah i'd say they took a trap left off a cliff and went into a river um <laughs> into a fence actually into a fence but technically don't want to give any criticism to dr strange by scott derrickson and c robert cargill i think what they did there in establishing that solo movie for Doctor Strange was great and I've watched it I think we're close to about 50 times now having seen that movie but the one thing I always felt didn't work very well was the amount of time they spent on the relationship between Christine and Stephen I always felt that that you're supposed to feel they have a relationship there you're supposed to feel that Doctor Strange does love um, Christine but they kind of leave it as he can't write an email to her for two years while he's on um, in Camartage. That's kind of it. And then when they meet back up again, he's this sorcerer and she's all scared of the, of all the powers that he has, you know, but she's kind of left out and left in the background. This, I think, is the longest episode so far of, of what if it's about 33 minutes rather than 27, if I, if yeah. I remember right. Um, I think that's just the extra amount that they spent with the two of them in the car in their actual relationship and getting to know the two of them and how they interacted together. I think that really helps this story. And it's fundamental to telling the story of Doctor Strange with a heart, effectively. Yeah, definitely. And also just the fact that going through all these different iterations of Strange turning back um, time uh, with the Eye of Agamotto, Mm -hmm. uh, with the Infinity Stone, and then simply, you know, he lets her drive or that, you know, and then, or he takes a different route. And each time in each scenario, she dies. I mean, to the point where he doesn't show up to pick her up. And then I think her apartment burns down. And that's when you get the, um, I guess, you know, the slight Doctor Who, um, uh, pointer with this mm. absolute point, uh, in time that cannot be changed. Or I, I think Doctor Who is, it's a fixed point it in time. Is, yep. Um, so where it cannot be changed. Um, and this is where then, 
um, you get that really nice little moment with, um, uh, you know, two years later with, with Wong coming to say, you know, don't do anything strange or stupid. Um, and rash, to, you know, all <laughs> rash. Yeah. Um, and we, we have, well, initially, and that's the thing, it's hidden from us. We see him do that rash thing, which is using the eye of Agamotto. Mm-hmm. Um, but, then the ancient one um effectively confronts him um at the end of one of the car crashes mm-hmm. and we don't know it then and that's the other thing i liked all these like little hidden nuggets all the way through and then it it gradually expands so yeah. it, it wasn't even you know it was even just that that all the um explanation got revealed later on after a whole series of things so you know we have the final crash she tells him not to to do this he he can't um change the absolute point and then fires the beam at him and he you know uses the eye of agamotto and mm-hmm. survives it but you think that's then that's the story and then it comes to the point where we see that actually at that moment she's split um Stephen into two alternates one that accepts and one that doesn't accept Christine's death and you have the the nice little reference and touch point of um Stephen going f- to tea with Wong you know Wong says I'm going to put the kettle on and in the other one obviously we've already seen that so it, it was really it was nicely layered and structured I thought as well yeah. how it unfolded um all the way through this this was the M. Night Shyamalan. What if? Mm-hmm. It had that twist enough at the end where you had this amazing, in my opinion, you had this amazing story up to a point and then you the reveal happens and you're like, oh, and now there's, now we're into the, yeah. the, the, the now we're into the final act. Mm-hmm. Like thinking that the final act had just come and you're like, oh, wow, this is, wow. Okay. And that, yeah. that just, that choice, that decision made it so much more, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, juicy, but uh, from a narrative <laughs> meal perspective, it's just so much more satisfying. Yeah. Um, we'll get to the ending later because uh-huh. I have thoughts of it and I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. But just from that point, the, uh, I just want to zero in, if you mind, I want to zero in on the choice of the power. Because that is just, just fantastic. Because it was just like, yeah. by the way, that, again, we had the tentacle monitored. Yeah. So is it, um, or do you think we are now getting a reoccurring early look at Shermagarth? Is this because now we, we've seen him mm. twice already? Yeah. And you know, it would have been really helpful. Doctor Strange doesn't do spells like we see in Harry Potter or anything like yeah. that. But if he did, he would be sure to get the name of all of these creatures that he takes down. Yeah. And yes. unfortunately, because these are artists, these are people that are being tasked with drawing whatever it is that they're being told uh, to draw or getting their style in there. You can't be sure because Shamagar doesn't technically look like this in the comics. 
and we yeah, don't we don't see the one. yeah we we don't see the head of this creature. We see just the tentacles yeah, popping yeah. out here. So uh, there's loads of possibilities as to who it is. It could absolutely be Shumagarth, and I know people are running with that as the idea, especially because it's in here and Doctor yeah, Strange exactly. has been in another in another. Um, it would make it would episode. make I guess more sense because of the yeah. association now yes. that is being in this uh, for sure. But yeah. I, I guess until you see the main body of this tentacled creature, we're not going to know. You know that it could be a kraken. It could be yeah. a whole range of different tentacled beings. I mean, even um, you know. Just because the tentacle being in the first episode was related to Hydra, and mm-hmm. um, we, we know that the, the equally there's tentacled mythology and, and creatures associated there. And there's Leviathan but and Hydra. Leviathan and Hydra. Yeah. So I, it's definitely though being here, it could be. Yeah, it's most likely the same one. Maybe yeah. this is the source of all all this energy. Yeah. If if, yeah. if if that you know, if if Strange believes, and if the book of Cagliostro says that it's the consumption of the power from this creature primarily that it can help break the absolute point. I think he's building up through powerful beings, but Obeng does say that this is a powerful creature, which we didn't really know yeah. from the first episode. And Shamogarth is, you know, yeah. um, for sure. So I, I think so. Yeah, but but on the rest of the uh, the whole scene, Chris, all of the other creatures that are coming out, I think this is the best use of animation that we've seen. So, so good. So so good, like the 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 choice, like a the 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 design of most of the creatures mm-hmm. is yeah. fantastic. Then the choice of the 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 melding and the the taking of the powers, where you see sometimes the tentacles and the wings and the scales form part of actual, not just it becomes part of strange yeah, to exactly. a degree, yeah. which is, and then sometimes the choice to use the shadow just yeah. to depict that, mm-hmm. fantastic. I want the hats off about the leprechaun or the no. I think it's a leprechaun. I'm sticking to it's a leprechaun because that kind of puts leprechauns in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was going to make yeah. the joke about that, but there was a really, really good piece of feedback that we got. I'll give a, a shout out to Donald Dennis for this over on our Facebook group, um, where he said it is more, more of a gnome. Um, and it's actually a reference to the show Troll Hunters, which has a gnome in it. And Troll Hunters was the show where the showrunner, um, for this show, the head writer for this show started out, AC Bradley, um, started out working uh, over there. So when he said that, I was going, you know what? Unfortunately, yeah, it probably yeah, is the leprechaun. It, that's it. Yeah. So I, I still like the fact it could be a garden gnome. Who would have thought <laughs> all those gnomes dotted around different people's gardens across the world are, you know, full of life? Either and that. Evil. <laughs> and evil. But either that or. Doctor Strange, in that sense, only got the power to fish or or were wellies <laughs> or to stand really, really still for a or long time. Have a pointy hat without starch. There you go. Have yeah, a red exactly. pointy hat without starch. Exactly. All magic. It's the Travelocity gnome or something. <laughs> yeah. This just this overall scene was just. I I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Just the choice of how they did what they did, yeah. and just the con- constant consumption and more. The toll it takes on Strange yeah. through you see the transformation in he becomes more got, uh, shadowed the hollow look in his face, yeah. the more angular he he changes his beard's appearance to become more pointy. Yes, the pointy goatee, the yes, uh, the Star Trek symbol of the evil one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean I'm totally with you. This, this was some of my favorite stuff. I mean, I've you know 
strange um i would say along with you know like blade and all it really lends itself to a horror aesthetic Mm -hmm. um and i mean they did that so well here as you say like the shadows i mean it really reminded me of nosferatu you know the the shadow but just seeing all the different forms that he had absorbed all the different creatures and the forms of them appearing when the two strangers first meet just coming out of the shadow Um, And as you say, like, when he finally takes that tentacled creature, you know, his fingers turning into tentacles and so on, Mm -hmm. and getting the the stag's antlers and the the bat wings. Mm -hmm. As I say, maybe this is um, Doctor Strange finally consuming the Batman. Um, Maybe this is (laughs) Marvel. He becomes man bat. Yeah, well, that's it. Maybe this is Marvel uh, asserting supremacy over DC here Maybe. by uh, taking uh, <laughs> taking out uh, Man Bat or yeah. Batman. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps that's it. Um, there is one weird moment about the episode, though. He has he has consumed all of this power. He's gotten the ability to get Christine back. He gets her back and doesn't change his shape back from this awful monster when he stares into Christine's face and goes, "It's me, Stephen." Yeah, um, yeah, that does is she true. Get terrified to death. And I have think a heart so. Attack? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I think so. But I, I guess it's because of the energy that he, he's mm. having to use to break this absolute point in yeah, time. He, he literally brings her back um, and, and still he, he's in the Paris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I, whether it's all of them combined, because, you know, he, he's not going through the whole kind of mystical telephone book, you know, to take everyone. I mean, he draws a line at bugs. Um, <laughs> he, he doesn't take the um, magical beetle, um, but he does take his cloak, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which was really cool. Um, you know, I love the cloak battle as yeah. well. I love how they've made the cloak so central. Um, it's a character, a, a, a character. itself. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah. yeah, the Club of Levita- Levitation, I think in, in Doctor Strange, we were saying that it was uh, very similar to Aladdin's carpet from the animated yeah. movie. Yeah. That was the characterization for something that doesn't talk at all, but is there to protect its owner effectively. Uh, and now they have the attack of the two uh, of, of the two Doctor Stranges, the battle between uh, Doctor Strange Supreme and uh, and our Doctor Strange, I suppose, or the, the one that got on with his life. Uh, we also get a cloak battle in this episode. One of my favorite tweets that I saw this week was um, Marvel. You've gone too far when they when <laughs> and just the gif of the uh, cloak being ripped apart. I know lots of crying emojis. R.I.P. <laughs> uh, cloak of levitation. Cloak of levitation. Yes. <laughs> I, I I just love the fact that because in the comic books, correct me if I'm wrong, the cloak does not have that much of a character, does no. it? No. no, it's no. not. It's just it's a tool like the Eye yeah. of Agamotto. Yeah, exactly. It allows him to levitate, basically. Yeah. But there's there's nothing to suggest that you know he would wipe the tear away from the yeah. eye of Doctor Strange yeah. or sort of try and heal his you Caress know a little face. yeah exactly or give him <laughs> like, a massage. Dead, dead, dead. Um, and certainly doesn't like normally. I, I don't. I, you know, float off his back to effectively bind uh, mm. his enemy or to even attack his enemy, uh, like they they did in the movies. So and in this one, yeah. uh, and and in this one as well. But it, I think it was just like, as well that battle, uh, and you know the cloak battle was part of it. But the battle between the two strangers as well was just great. I loved how got the um you know the the war runes put on him. You know uh, with Agamotto and that that's protecting him. And I like the fact that it's evil Doctor Strange has to consume himself as well, ultimately, because of being split in two by the Ancient yeah. One. Uh, and actually, the whole consumption with the mouth open, it 
it reminded me, I can't remember the horror movie, almost a bit like a Death Eater, say, from Harry Potter, how it's taking out the energy um, and sucking it out. But also whether it was um, you know, the the movie with Donald Sutherland, but they're just sort of pointing and, and screeching. Body yeah, body snatchers. Yeah. But I, I loved how, um, I loved that it was that physical absorption, not only of the energy, but also of that body, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, I think when we first watched it, I was saying, you know, this looks very much like um, uh, Mordo in the post credit scene of the movie when he takes the magical energy back from um, the the other guy who, uh, you know, helped his, um, you know, recovered from the spinal injury. And yeah. um, I can't remember the, the, the guy's name now, but that's, that is... Um, you know, it's it felt like a similar kind of thing, yeah. Um, yeah. in that sense, but obviously he didn't kind of do a body snatcher look. Um, no more magicians. Yeah, exactly. Too many magicians. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But the battle overall, I thought, was great. The the fighting, the 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 swirling round and shooting of the different magical energy at one another, and just then as these runes kind of gradually being pummeled off the face. And from Doctor Strange, uh, it just means he can't resist the power that has um, Strange Supreme has kind of built up with this um, this this smorgasbord of magical energy that he's been scoffing down. What a great visual clue for people that you know maybe don't understand exactly how the magic works the idea of seeing the kind of bright runes on his face and as as he's being hit or or with a spell or as he's being punched one of them drops off or five of them come off. I think that's such a great choice by the animators to show how powerful this battle is that's going on. He's taking chunks off the health bar, like in a video game. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I thought this, this was one of the, this was the most cinematic battle we have got in the show. Uh, and against all the other ones we've got. It is also probably the most cinematic sorcerer battle we've got. I mean, I'm taking the first film into account Maybe, yeah. Like, just because it was the most... In the other ones, we've had, like, them kind of warp the world around them and stuff. Here, Mm -hmm. we started getting, like, the bands of Thatarak kind of, like, as input in. Like, we got the whispers of kind of, like, thin treadmills. We got proper blasts. We got... Like, whereas previously, like, say, with the ancient one, you get the fan and the kind of just push of energy. Mm. Yeah. This was more... This was, like, literally spell-slinging level of kind of stuff and i was like this is my expectation to a degree for doctor strange too mm-hmm. like yeah they have kind of upped the ante on themselves they just went definitely oh, no, this is what we could do but the problem is this is animated yeah like trying to do this level of stuff as well in in a realistic mcu is gonna be difficult yeah absolutely definitely you have and- 11 months cgi guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean definitely yeah. and i i think that it's. I think they'll play more in the dimension uh, playbook of, of yeah. where they are and how they do Hope it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I do too because you know the first movie was very much bringing this in. I, I think Fe- Kevin Feige said at the time this was introducing the magical area, and so that they flitted into that. You know, 
on Earth, but this is where only right at the end with going to the dark dimension. And, and I, I remember from the trailer that great scene with his shields up battling and uh, the the power blasts coming from Dormammu. Uh, but it was really short. You know, I was like, I thought yeah. this was going to be really much more like epic and then when it happened in the movie i was like oh this is really really short and um, but i mean that is straight out of um yeah. the the comics as well so i think um this is really as you say chris i think definitely um th- th- this kind of i guess uh puts a little bit of a benchmark as to where it's probably going in multiverse of madness to well, some yeah. extent yeah. and even with oh. the the horror. I mean, you think we've got Sam Raimi uh, do, uh, directing mm-hmm. Multiverse of Madness. So even just that kind of darker edge to it. I mean, because this was a dark movie as well. Yeah. And this really, uh, it, it, it really had that sense of foreboding, tense, dark, um, you know, almost... I, I, it was almost desperate in terms mm. of what he was doing and, and how he, w- he was going about it. So yeah. um, I, I like that. I mean, it's good mixing it up, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I know this was only 33 minutes, but I would have watched a full 90 minutes of this. Yeah. yeah. Like, and like, that's, I, that's the first time I'm saying that now. Like, Captain Carter was close, mm-hmm. just because I like that little, I like that pre-kind of during World War Two universe that they mm-hmm. set up yeah. in the first Avenger and I like that storyline and I now I like the Captain Carter universe of Absolutely. that storyline, especially with the Iron Avenger. Yeah. Um sorry the Hydra Stomper, excuse me. There you go. I, I liked all of that. Yeah. But I could this see a second episode like, of that. I can yeah. see another episode of that. I'm not sure whether and and I think you'd probably just flesh out the story more if you had an error of uh, of the Peggy Carter episode. But coming back to another episode of Captain Carter, that's just as good for me, I'll probably see that. Oh, again. yeah. With yeah. this, I do think it felt epic and it felt longer than it was. It felt massive. And yes, absolutely, I could spend another hour yeah. sitting down watching that. It was really, really good. Two great other choices that I thought uh, from the episode that I really, really liked. Uh, I loved the melting uh, of everybody in the universe that Doctor Strange sees. Yeah. Um, even Wong, when Wong is trying to put the protection on him and Wong is starting to disappear and starting to fade. I love that kind of dragging uh, of smoke effects that they were doing on all the bodies Definitely. and everything yeah. in the universe. I thought that was really, really cool as a choice. Yeah. And then probably the big one, which is... As we've seen throughout the episodes, and you mentioned it, John, as we've seen throughout the episodes, the Watcher's becoming more and more present in all of these stories. We see him in the opening of this episode in the city of New York as Strange comes to pick up Christine. He's right at the start there. He's in the universe watching on. And by the end of this, in fact, halfway through the episode, we we see that Strange Supreme can hear him. Uh, he hears the voice of the Watcher in the background. And then by the end of the episode, he's able to communicate to him yeah. because they're the last two things left in this universe. Yeah. Um, that, that was, what a great choice. That was really good. I, like it, that, it, it was in the library of Cagliostro and you just have this narrative coming in from the Watcher saying, I could have stopped it now, but mm-hmm. I don't interfere. Um, like literally, I bet he wish he had done by the end of it, but not, you know, and you just get that great moment of, um, strange turning around and going, who, who's there? Yeah. Uh, really yeah. nice. The other one as well is it's with the good Doctor Strange and there's the silhouette and it looks, it's his silhouette. 
And then it looks like it becomes the Watchers. But ultimately then it's where evil Doctor Strange pulls him through into the shadow. Mm-hmm. And so it's like really, that was really, really good. And then as you say, then they're having um, this full on conversation by the end because it's only those two left. And um, Doctor Strange begging the Watcher to intervene to undo everything that that he's done and mm-hmm. even then he he refuses so i mean like he really d- is like um you know sits on the fence i mean i thought dr strange was bad in civil war basically meditating throughout the whole of marvel uh civil war well i mean yeah the watch is probably like the next level of like Indecision. Indecision or neutrality, whatever it might be, I guess. It's an interesting premise, isn't it? Because the Watcher is seeing multiple multiverses, effectively. He's seeing yeah. universes die and, and be bored in effect, all the time. That That is his role, seeing everything. And he's just looking in on this story and seeing how it plays out, knowing it will end with the end of the universe. Yeah, it's but a different perspective yeah. in terms of the scale. So he doesn't have yeah. to save every universe because loads of 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 the pieces of the multiverse will die they will end yeah. um so he doesn't have to save everyone but i love his line to strange the um you more than anyone else must understand meddling with time and events only leads to more destruction as the universe is destroying around dr strange i just think that's a real diss to, to strange yeah. it's like you you did it you messed it all up i'm not gonna mess anything else up yeah. uh, later you were warned by universe. the ancient one as well yeah. um yeah. you know it's uh all the way through there and uh, i think um yeah it, it was really good i really liked seeing um cagliostro as well because that was so central you know the book of cagliostro in the original yes. cinematic uh doctor strange and coming to the lost library with obeng uh who i love that the you know he goes to the library um and he meets with obeng um, who, and you know, I think is another name for Cagliostro in in the comics. I have to look that up. Yeah, it, that that is another name that Cagliostro uses. It's something to do with Cagliostro has found a way to live for a really long time, so he just takes on other names so that people know don't know that he's the same person, effectively. But what that, I thought that was also a really interesting touch: the um, Sorcerer Supreme or Doctor Strange Supreme absorbing all of these uh, creatures. And when he comes out from doing all of the absorbing, we see that a hundred years have passed, that he's kept himself young while absorbing them. And Cagliostro or Obeng has now passed on or he's, he's about to die. Yeah. Effectively. That was really interesting as well, because, you know, you, you think it could be, you know, it's, it's, especially in a half hour episode, you think this has lasted you know, maybe a couple of days, but he spent almost a century or maybe more in there because Cagliostro lives longer than most people he's he has that ability but not said on screen here but that's the uh, that's the assumption you hear from him uh from obeng that he is now passed on it's his time and i his guess that, inevitable. yeah and i guess that time is moving differently because obviously the good doctor strange if 100 years had passed actually in his timeline so his timeline mm-hmm. is going at a relatively different speed i guess it is, yeah. well and um, all uh, or is all Evil Strange is slowing it down. He's but the pu- thing is, that doesn't explain yeah. Obeng, who has aged in that time. But maybe it's just around him. His first words to Doctor Strange when he pulls him through is, uh, you don't need to... The, the question isn't where are you, the question is when are you. So he's pulling him forward to his yeah, time, okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, remember, this is all about the time. You know, this is, this entire episode really is about time travel uh, in in a lot of senses. It is it is about using the uh, Eye of Agamotto to uh, move back and forth through time. So he has mastered that ability effectively. Yeah. Um, which is one of the other things that has changed with with Doctor Strange not using his hands. There's a really quick snippet of him um, training in and camouflage, but it seems like because he doesn't have the uphill battle that he had to overcome dealing with the loss of his hands, it feels like he's able to capture the power more yeah. easily. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, in here, he's very much referenced as he is the Sorcerer Supreme, yes. which is a title he never earned in the Doctor Strange movie. He's still Doctor Strange a sorcerer by the end of that movie whereas here he's referred to as, as yeah he, he becomes sorcerer, sorcerer supreme, supreme in, so. in, in with that change having taken place yeah, yeah definitely so I, I, I guess that's because he doesn't have to overcome that issue with his hands where he's looking at his hands going well i can't possibly do any of this stuff uh, and he doesn't have that moment in these very quick scenes you see yeah, him very and, and, instantly getting the um the sling ring get very instantly getting that ability to be able to uh to move through to different places, right? Whereas yeah. in the movie, that was a big stumbling block for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think let's get on to our third point. What yeah. if the universe was changed forever? What would be so different? Well, I guess it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, it's Or it's just Doctor Strange um, on his own. In that crystal. It, it, in that well, crystal it was, I, I guess that was the mirror. Di- that's the thing. I, I assume that was the it mirror is. dimension from that he had put around so that yeah. effectively he can survive, I guess, from the destruction of his, of the yeah. universe, of the reality that he, because the mirror dimension produced new realities so that you could practice your magic in the real world or on Earth. Yeah. And so, he is effectively creating a separate reality from mm. the death of um his universe from his universe but it's not enough to save christine um no. because she is still sort of fading uh, and disintegrating away um, and actually i think the watcher is on the outside of that mirror yep. dimension so yep. um and he's just having this conversation but it's just this small little speck i guess of yeah. of um a dead universe with a single point of existence which is doctor strange so what if this evil doctor strange learns how to travel the multiverse <laughs> well exactly or <laughs> he'll never learn how to pull a rabbit out of a top hat yeah, that's true. Just <laughs> He's touch, just stuck don't there. Don't touch magic. Otherwise, you have the potential to, to destroy the fabric of reality. Yeah. No card tricks, anyone. <laughs> uh, you know, no sort of ping pong Burn ball. them at the stake. They're yeah. all witches and no wizards. ping pong balls, under cups, uh, you know, <laughs> switcheroo. Uh, none of that. Otherwise, yeah, the universe effectively ends, really. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, there were nine episodes this season. Uh, yes, we have a season two, but we have nine episodes this season and we're on episode four and we're seeing more and more interaction with the watcher yeah. in the universes, yeah. Yeah. uh, or the multiverses. Um, in the comic books, not giving too much away. I don't think the watcher doesn't always just watch. Yeah. Yeah. And no, they, 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 it's a well known, he sometimes meddles. I get the feeling with the ending of this episode, uh-huh. 
and with uh, like the, some of them kind of continue the, the the place they leave a lot of these. I get the feeling that some of the there there will be continuations. Particularly, I see Peggy and Doctor Strange. That those are the two central characters and T'Challa coming back. I can see the Watcher going back and taking Nick Fury, taking um, uh, taking Star Lord, kind of T'Challa, taking Captain Carter, and then having to take to probably either stop or take this Doctor Strange. This Doctor Strange will be taken as well, or. It will be to stop this Doctor Strange, who is now escaped from that the, the dead universe he killed, right? Yeah, to go on to a different universe and to absorb that power to try and bring back not just his dead love, but his dead universe. See, I feel like this Doctor yeah. Strange has learned his lesson by the end, and he's in a prison of his own creation. Is is the way I think that last moment? I plays. think there's an awful lot of hubris. So I'm not sure whether Definitely. we'll see him being an evil Doctor Strange in another story. I think we'll, if he does escape this portion, I think that story's done. I think he's realised I tried everything, couldn't bring her back. It's a fixed point in time. Okay. Maybe he'll travel to another yeah. universe to see a different Christine, potentially, in a different I, universe. So I'm not too sure whether he becomes the antagonist in a future story. But you are right, it's a really good point to make that he is in that little dot at the end of the episode, so we don't see it blink out and disappear. Yeah. And I wondered, you know, we we see when he absorbs the creatures, he takes on their powers and their forms. Mm. So absorbing his other half takes on his powers, but is there an element, because it's him, it's actually him split in two, Mm -hmm. and... This half is accepting. It it becomes, you know, the the devil and the angel (laughs) on the side, so that, you know... With what's happened, with the fact that um, Christine hasn't survived any of this, despite the uh, what um, the Dark Doctor Strange was doing, not only is that pure hubris for him uh, and that realization, but there's also then this other half of him that has, you know, was split, effectively accepted it. And has come back in. So I wonder if there's that play in there as well that leads him to this okay, point where I think, and I would agree, yeah. that he realizes the scale of the, um, dare I say, the breakage he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of like a universal bull in a china shop. Yeah. Um, he's literally smashed everything. Yes, but um, I will say, Chris, I 100% agree. The show is, I think it's definitely building up to the Watcher interfering. That's that's absolutely what the show is building up to. It's, it's had him very much in the background of the first episode, kind of watching on with the love story. Second episode, you see him in the background a little bit. Third episode, much more. And this episode, he's able to be heard and have a conversation with someone in the universe. So yes, absolutely, I think there will be an episode during this first nine episode run where he interferes in some way. Um, or it could be the so, ninth episode leading into the season two. Potentially, potentially. Um, there has been a lot of speculation this week that because the trailer for the new Spider-Man movie was released with Doctor Strange in there, that that's potentially the one from What If. Mm, I'm not too sure about that. That's, no, that seems no like I don't think so. It seems like it's connected just purely because the two things happened in the same week. Um the one I do like is that we have uh, the we do have a dragon that's absorbed by Doctor Strange yes. in here. 
and Shang-Chi was released this week in the cinema, which does feature a dragon in the movie. Uh, I'm, I'm reliably informed from the trailer. Um, so I wonder if that was a little reference because the two of them coming out the same week. Uh, it seems more likely than um, them releasing the Doctor Strange episode in the week that Sony released their trailer for their movie to me. But, uh, yeah. 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 I, I think that I think it was there was definitely it was all timed. I the the the, the machine that is Disney. It's just they they plan all this and it's just like hey we want this little thing to go with this little thing so let's line all yeah. the cards up and they fall where I want them or yeah. where the big mouse wants them. Um, we doc. Doctor Strange and all the fun and games, and we could do another hour alone just on the the, the Spider Man trailer. Uh, I'm not saying we will, fellow defenders, <laughs> we <will. laughs> because I've gone down many rabbit holes, yeah. and I'm like, no, no, yeah. this is it. I'm waiting until the film. This is my sacred space. <laughs> yes, and we've also learned many times from doing trailer breakdowns when that when we used to do them that were completely terrible at us. So uh, we don't yes. wanna, we don't either spoil the movie for you by speculating about things that will not happen or uh, ruin the movie for ourselves by building up our expectations incorrectly. John, have we talked enough about Doctor Strange for this episode? Do you have any notes that you want to talk about from the episode? Obviously not, but I think um for 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 the notes, um I know just initial some initial feedback um I think I was tasked with, you know, what are these creatures? Are there any references to, um, you know, to the comics? And I mean, I have to say, um, you know, Shomagorath absolutely could be that tentacle. It could be another two, um, or three things, uh, yeah. whether it related to Hydra or even just mythical beasts. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the only other one I could really kind of pull out was Summerket um Lord of the Old Ones okay. which um I believe is kind of is an antagonist of Namor uh, but that was kind of like the winged beast with the sort of white piercing eyes um it because it looked like him from what I remember from the comics right. rather than that was for a fact um Obviously, we all know a garden gnome when we see one, or dare <laughs> I say, a, a leprechaun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think a lot of these were from things like um, Celtic and Norse mythology. Like, I think the stag is probably, I know, I have no idea how to pronounce it, but that would all link into kind of Asgardian like creatures um, mm. as well. Um, for, and from Norse mythology. Like Fjernir. Yeah. That's the pronunciation um, of the word that you've got written there. Exactly. <laughs> I, I can't pronounce that. Too, too, too many consonants together. I've been playing um, a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, so. And I, I think, you know, there, there was certainly, um, like a snake-like creature, like a basilisk, um, but that could possibly be Hydrus, you know, in terms of cut off one arm, several will, um, or cut off one head and s- several heads will pop back into place. That's um, <laughs> you know, as they do those, uh, Hydra people. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, there's the dragon. And I mean, there's, there's a number of dragons, um, in, uh, in, uh, in, in Marvel. You've got Shaolau from the Iron Fist where mm-hmm. he gets his, his power from. And then, as Derek mentioned about Shang-Chi and the, the great protector, the dragon from Shang-Chi, mm. uh, the movie, it could be, um, it could be, uh, that. There's also then the Macluans from Fing Fang Foom, uh, as well, which are more kind of reptilian, but mm. kind of dr- dragon, you know, um, so yeah. it, it could be, um, any one of those. There's, you know, the bat-like creature, there's, there's, 
loads of possibilities. Yeah. Um, it's mad, isn't it? As we said before, you know, with live action movies, um, all of these creatures would be detailed in the credits at the end because it's a voice cast usually that you get there it's only a speaking character that gets uh that gets named uh, or gets a name at the end of the credits and they don't give any details about who designed what creatures you know so uh so i wish they did it would be great uh because then we would be definite about this but there's possibilities i think for all of those creatures that could have been from marvel comics or from other sources as well that's why I think the Asgardian side of things, you know, certainly with the stag and things like the basilisk and or Greek or, or Roman, yep. you know. Do you think we're going to get an assembled at the end of this season? I'd really hope so. I'd yeah. really hope I really so. Based on what they've done, oh my God, I hope so, because this is what I want. And then a breakdown, they won't do it by episode, but no. at least... At least, so, like, that would be the perfect bit. We've been slightly critical of the Assembled so far because they've been a little bit like um, press kits rather than yes. something really deep and meaty. But I'd, I'd hope, given that Disney predominantly was an animation company, that they'd understand how to do something for animation. And I know I've already seen some videos from Sebastian Stan on his Instagram of him doing his recording session for What If, uh, for the first episode of What If. So uh, potentially there's loads of that kind of footage out yeah. there where we'll have all the actors sharing their voices. So hopefully we will get an assembled um, after the ninth episode of this season. Um, I have one note for this episode because when I saw the name pop up at the credits, I was really surprised. Uh, L- Leslie Bibb returning for a really brief cameo as Christine Everard. Um, that was a character that was in uh, Iron Man 1 or 2. You would remember her. She's the one that uh, she was a, a, a journalist who was questioning um, Tony Stark and yeah. um, ha- appeared in both of those movies. And in here, she reprises the role as Christine Everard, Excellent. announcing the explosion of the apartment block, the one that killed uh, Dr. Palmer while we have Dr. Strange in the bar. That is some level of cameo to have for a character that appears yeah, really good. in two major Iron Man movies. Yeah. Why, why bring her back? What a cool idea to, to bring her back for this, uh, this scene that is definitely recorded for this movie. It's not used, not reused, um, footage from anything else. That's so cool. Exactly. It's really, really good. Um, and for Jews, uh, I think f- from my side, cause I mean, I, I didn't even clock it. Um, so that's how good she was because she felt like a newsreader yeah. you know yeah. and really good and the only final note i've got is around you know the there's just little reference in cagliostro's library to caecilius's doctor strange and the name joke and i guess one of the running themes like uh that we saw in um Infinity War, uh, as, and I think even in, um, the, the latest Spider-Man trailer as well. So here, um, he is known by, um, Cagliostro or Oben, um, as Dr. Armani, mm-hmm. which is quite cool. Um, so, yeah. uh, yeah, just, just that. And he says, it's strange, no weirder than any other sorcerer name that I've heard. <laughs> so <laughs> a nice little play on the, uh, on yeah. the joke from uh, Caecilius from uh, the Doctor Strange movie. Really cool. Uh, I think that's it for the yep. episode, unless uh, anybody has anything else to throw in there. No, I just, I'm, I'm dying to know whether John defends this episode. <laughs> it's good. I, I know it's borderline. It's going to be a tough one. I, but. Well, in, John. in some universe somewhere of the multiverse, um, 
I won't defend this episode, strangely. <laughs> there is uh, a John who But in this one, fellow here. defenders, in this one, I absolutely do defend um, this episode of, of What If. I, I'd give it five Dr. Armani's out of five. Um, and mm-hmm. mainly, to be honest, I think it's just that um, I think they took this in a direction that I absolutely loved i mean this is one of my favorite if not this is my favorite character so i'm going to be slightly biased but i think that this also ramped up the scale of what what if can do and um, that actually goes beyond the the stories in in the movies and takes you into uh and explores avenues that go beyond what the movies do and um, and just simply here i guess with dr strange you you know you can split the the main character into two in a universe and you are dealing with powers that however made up they sound can ultimately lead to the destruction of reality and and so like they take it to the extremes they really expand the scale they make it epic i loved it i loved the battle of the two strangers i loved him absorbing the um the different mystical creatures the cloak battle, you know, what's not to love uh, with that? And I think um, I, I just thought this was really, really epic. A dark, you know, slightly horror-esque. I love that, you know, the actions of Doctor Strange was for, um, based around grief, but it was ultimately hopeless, whatever he did. Uh, he couldn't. Mm-hmm. He couldn't change the timeline. He couldn't bring back Christine, even going to this extreme event the the hubris is is that he lost her again um and killed off everything um known in that universe uh, other than himself mm-hmm. left alone uh, and dare i say it, i mean the watcher really has kahunas to uh you know sit on the fence like humpty dumpty uh after after that one so for he's Jews, not a god he's a watcher well, I know he does. Yeah. He's, he's, um, yeah, he's like a bird watcher. He just sits in and looks through his binoc- binoculars. <laughs> um, I, I guess, um, he's a twitcher, isn't nope. it? A twitcher. Um, we said before about Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen that his power is that he's omniscient, but not omnipotent, which means he can watch everything, but he can't do anything about it because it's there. It's yeah. happening. Yeah. And that's exactly the same power really that the watcher has. That's true. He, doesn't interfere because he's not a god and that's what Doctor Strange thinks he is. Yeah. He says to him, you are a god, do something about it. Well, he would be a great, great train spotter. So yeah, yeah, definitely defend this five Doctor Armanis out of five. Chris, do you defend episode four of What's It? I 100%, a thousand percent defend this episode. This for me is the epitome of the what if capabilities of animation and them being a show. It's going beyond the known stories. Now, you can argue the Star-Lord T'Challa episode goes beyond. It doesn't really because it is based solely on like almost two episodes, two films. Mm. This starts at the shows the film and then just blows past it. Yeah. And this for me is what you can do when you accept that everyone should know this should know the ins and outs, but you just give them a three-minute, four-minute refresher course and then just go deep. And it's just fun. The animation's beautiful. It's dark. It's scary in points. And really just sets up the the 
you don't need the Disney princess ending. You don't need that beautiful, happy-go-lucky ending. They killed the universe and left a man in isolation. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, it, it ends on a complete bummer. With, on top of that, an M. Night Shyamalan twist, where most people did not see it coming. Like, I didn't. Like, I was not expecting a, this, this, this part. The, 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 the two strangers. So, mm-hmm. absolutely defend. Best episode to date. Derek, do you defend this episode? Shock is and say no. This was terrible. This is the worst episode of the show so far. <laughs> no, um, genuinely, yes, best episode of the show so far because exactly what you said, Chris. The, the idea is that you're now got what if on TV. This isn't just let's rewatch the movies that we've seen before yeah. in animated form. Um, they they really took the premise um, really far. They did some fantastic moments of animation in this episode. And I'm really intrigued because we still have five more episodes of this show to go. Where are they going to go with it? What's the next thing that's going to be massively changed in this universe? What's going to happen in episode five? I have no idea what's coming up for the rest of the season. Um, well, I have one. I know there's one more episode that uh, that we know is coming with Killmonger. So that's going to be an interesting Oh, see, one. I know the Spider-Man yeah. one. Yeah, and of course, there's of one course, more response. There's, there's also Spider Man and yeah, Killmonger. Yeah, there's yeah, two, yeah. and we've got five left. Exactly. So, be really intrigued to see what comes. But this was fantastic. Again, yeah. probably the movie I've watched most because it's the movie that John John has watched most. Uh, so, probably one of the movies that I've watched most is Doctor Strange. So, I love the little uh, piece of that that's put in at the beginning of the episode. Uh, going, all that still happened. He was still a massively powerful sorcerer. He still defeated Dormammu in the same way. But then he started to kind of lose himself in yeah. the loss. And I think by focusing it on the relationship of Christine and Stephen, which was kind of lacking in the Doctor Strange movie, I think it added something really interesting. Yeah, it really did, actually. Yeah, yeah It was intriguing watching it because we thought we had no idea what the reaction of other people would be to this episode. But it is the highest rated so far. Our feedback in general is massively positive for this episode. So people were, were really willing to go with an yeah. episode yeah. that was doing something really Go different. on for the ride. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Speaking of going for a ride, let's hop in the car and go down the local boozer. Absolutely. To pub quiz time. Yes. We were able to do that while we were on holiday. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. It Actually really... go into pubs without booking or anything like that. Just go in for a beer. It was amazing. Yeah. Sit outside. Lovely weather. It was great. Yeah. Um, but I think we all need a stiff drink after yes. what um, Doctor Strange did to that universe. Mm-hmm. And so fellow defenders, fellow quizzers, here is the pub quiz. For episode four. Mm-hmm. From what creature or animal did the misguided Doctor Strange Supreme get his cloak? Mm, that'll be interesting. You don't need the like personal name, the thing that his friend. No, just called, the right? general animal or creature name. Okay. Because George. Um, you know <laughs> if you know that it's a direct reference from the comic, then you are a better person than I am, Excellent. and in which case, um, you add that in, and you'll get a surprise. You might get a bonus uh, point. Oh, bonus point, yeah. Bonus point. Uh, John, yeah. do you want to get the question one more time? Definitely. Uh, so, the this week's pub quiz question from episode four. From what creature or animal did the misguided Doctor Strange Supreme get his cloak? Excellent. You can send all your answers into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. By the end of the season, we will announce the winner of our What If pub quiz uh, who will be getting some uh, what if Funko Pops um, yeah. at the end of the season so uh, some really good ones there uh, go check them out uh, the, they uh, look amazing they're, they're yeah. really cool they look great really cool. stuff John I know you are 
going to have to stay in the pub here uh, while myself and Chris uh, continue on with the feedback for yeah I'm really uh, I really wish I was here for the feedback because there's tons of it Mm. and it looks really really fab but fellow defenders I do have to go and tend to my 84 year old mother Mm. Uh, I have been uh, probably away a bit too longer than normal Um, but yeah enjoy the feedback fellow defenders and guys Derek and Chris Uh, it looks really good Uh, and thanks so much uh, for the feedback uh it's great getting it all in and i'm really glad everyone's enjoyed it if there's anything directed specifically to me please let me know i will of course uh so that i can then obviously come back to you on that in the meantime i'll answer it on your behalf yeah and by the way fellow defenders when he says take care of his uh 84 year old mother he means get her a gin and tonic uh, yeah basically yeah that's that's exactly what i need to do (laughs) she has been relaxing in the garden Mm -hmm. in the sun which we're lucky to have uh today right uh so yeah, thanks so much, fellow defenders. Uh, and remember, keep watching, keep listening, keep defending. Bye. See, people are going to turn off now, thinking that's the end of the <laughs> go, episode. Go, 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 go. <laughs> no, they won't. They know I'm just doing it. Right. This is a, this is a pre-goodbye from, uh, from me, John. Right. Bye. Thanks, John. Bye. So with him gone, we can really tell the truth. Let's go to feedback. <laughs> this is a terrible episode. Ah! The worst episode ever. Worst episode ever. <laughs> Chris, uh, cast your mind back. We're going into our feedback section. Cast your mind back. This is a timey-wimey episode of What If. Let's go all the way back to the first couple of episodes of the show. We've got some feedback in. Uh, first up from Shamiz, who says, Hello there, everyone. This is Shamiz from Savannah, Georgia. I'm a binger, so I often wait until I've watched the whole show before listening to your podcast. So don't send in feedback. But since the format of the show is different, I've been watching them week to week. For episode one, the Hydra Cthulhu monster actually made sense to me. In the first Captain America movies, wasn't it Zola that designed the weapons? And because of Captain Carter, Red Skull no longer had Zola to create tech for him. Red Skull is supposed to be super into the mythology anyway. So I suppose left to his own devices, he took the fantasy route instead of the sci-fi route. That's a really good point, Shamuse. Yeah. Isn't it? What a great catch. I like that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Especially when it comes, yeah, Zola was the, the, the tech behind. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I really wish we had got like full on comic book Zola. Well, like, yes. You, <laughs> like brain in the stomach Zola kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just, we did have Toby Jones coming back for that. You never know. That could be a yeah. what if episode later on in the series. Uh, Shamiz continues on episode two. She said it was perfect. I teared up at the end when they splashed the dedication to Chadwick Boseman on the screen. Happy TV watching from Shamiz. A hundred percent. We all did. Good to know, though, he apparently has a few more uh, episodes in yes. this, this or the, and or the next season. So this is not his hundred percent end of the year. Yeah. We will still get more of Chadwick. Yes. Three more um, episodes confirmed for this season. Yeah. So we will get, okay. we will get a, a bit more of Chadwick Boseman later on. Um, Thanks so much, Shamiz. Uh, we also got an email in from Victor who says, Hail Derek, John, Chris, and fellow defenders. I love the series so far. The animation and music are fab, and I cannot get enough of Haley Atwell and Chadwick Boseman. Uh, this episode's cast is also full of my favourite actors, especially Chadwick Boseman, Michael Rooker, and Benicio Del Toro. I am fascinated with the endless possibility the series teases. We could spend hours at the pub discussing them and still not touch on everything. Some questions from the episode. Will the Embers of Genesis... Nebula fed to the big ugly destroy Drax's planet after all, or will it just become a galactic farm? This nebula is a beauty. Arthanas surely was mad to mess with those looks. I don't recall the collector being so physically imposing in the uh, in the movies. 
Might we see more Elders of the Universe in future episodes? Same as John, though, I'm not a fan of Howard the Duck, but Zach Green makes him palatable. The dedication to Chadwick Boseman was especially touching to me. We are fellow alumni of Howard University. As always, I look forward to your podcasts and Defenders feedback. Enjoy your holiday. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. P.S. John, did you notice recently in the comics our favourite monarch villain is to be wed? Where's our invitations? <laughs> Says Victor. Uh, of course, there was going to be a question for John straight up. Thanks, Victor. Um, he has seen the comics. He has seen that, uh, that Dr. Doom is about to be wed in the comic books. Um, yeah, it's a long way to get over to that area, uh, where he lives. So maybe he was just saving, um, the travel costs. Well, it's also traveling during a pandemic. True. Like the, 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 you've all the extra precautions. And if you don't have a fantastic car of your own or mm-hmm. a Quinjet, it's just, not doable yeah. in today's modern era. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Now, let's get on to some feedback for episode three. We'll start off with audio message from the one, the only, Matt Murdock, our friend. And he's going to talk about music in that episode. Hey, guys. Matt from Across the Pond here. Wanted to talk about this little motif, a little snippet of music that played during each of the deaths during this third episode of What If, and I love the kind of whodunit aspect of it, but those motives of the deaths, because they were shocking, I guess because I haven't seen Cartman's score for this yet on Spotify or any titles or anything, I'm just going to call it the shock death motive. It was the same piece that was played during all of the deaths of the Avengers, or in the case of Hawkeye, I guess it was when he was found after... Uh, they found out that he wasn't sleeping, that he was dead. Anyway, it's really a classic piece of horror writing. It, it can be traced all the way back to Alfred Hitchcock films. And that is you take two notes that don't fit together and you repeat them over and over and over again. In Cartman's case here, it's two keys, a running line in two different keys that she played at the same time that creates that tension. And they never really resolve. And what happens with us as humans is when things don't resolve, what's just uncomfortable suddenly becomes horrifying. And that's a wonderful aspect of this particular piece of music. I'm going to play it for you. It's kind of just an approximation because it's done with a whole orchestra naturally, and I'm just doing this on the piano. Uh, So it won't be exactly the same. And I apologize in advance for how uncomfortable this is going to make you feel. Yeah, it gives you the heebie-jeebies, right? The top line is in this key, whereas the bottom line is in this key. So what that does, since they don't ever fit together in any particular way, and they don't ever really resolve to something that does fit with both of them, we're horrified by it. And if you think to the score of Psycho, that's exactly what that composer did. He took two pitches, and he just never resolved them. You got this. And all Cartman has done is she flipped what we call the inversion. Rather than being right next to each other, she sets them not quite an octave apart. But that is what makes it so tense. Crazy how pitches that are so close together can create so much conflict within our souls to the point where we're horrified by it. And let's face it, seeing an Avenger dying is horrifying to us, right? So, great aspect of that. There was one other thing that she did with this, though, that a lot of horror 
film writers are doing now, they're not just making the tension in the harmony, but they're also making the tension in the rhythm. It feels like that one part is playing faster than the other. Both can be correlated into time, but they don't seem to fit. Like it takes two times for one of them to pass and three times for the other of them to pass for them to meet up again. And that creates a whole lot of tension as well. That's all I've got, but I really did love this third episode. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Take care. Matt, thank you so much once again for your feedback. Uh, that, that, that I love your thoughts about the music uh, from the episode, bits that I just wouldn't pick up. But you've said it before yourself, these elements of um, using notes to put people off edge are things you're not supposed to notice, as things you're supposed to just pick up uh, as you watch the episode. So I'm so glad you picked them up for us. Yes, thank you so much. And yeah, that, 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 that noise... I'm not even going to call it music. That noise you created was <laughs> chilling to the bone. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Chris, do you want to take us on next email? Yes. First up, we have email from Jerry. Again, this is all on episode three. He went, hey, guys, hope you had a good holiday. This was a fun murder mystery, but dark for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Again, the animation was gorgeous. The watcher in the background several times really enforcing that this is a tale of the multiverse. No one caught that Hope was killed by the Winter Soldier. She took the mission that got Black Widow shot. It's the story she tells Steve in Winter Soldier, the film. I totally forgot that the Avengers were formed in the same week. This show is living up to the comic counterpart. Jerry in Niceville. Very good catch. Completely missed. Just yeah, wow. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't have thought that that was the mission that uh, the Hope um, was killed in was the one that Black Widow uh, was shot, the one that she saw the the famed Winter Soldier and tells uh, Steve about it. So that's an, another interesting change to the universe. Thanks for that, Jerry. Yes, we also have some feedback from Coffee and Vodka who sent an email to say this: "Hello, who done it, defenders? A war story, a heist, and now an Agatha Christie style mystery." Variation in more than just timeline, all wrapped up in the best animation. The best element, though, has been in the writing, with this episode being no exception. It was great seeing both Nick Fury and Natasha as central characters, as well as seeing Clint, a silent, silkily-maned Thor, Banner, Hulk, Betty and the rest. It was also a nice touch showing Hank Pym with his classic comic book accurate, violently abusive attitude. It's true. He, he's never been a nice guy. Just ask his ex-wife and old Tron. That's very true. The standout, however, was Agent Coulson. Like the dude's rug, he held the episode together <laughs> and provided the best scene in the series thus far. I'm not going to tell you my password, Romanoff. <laughs> the one element I had issue with was not being allowed to try and solve the mystery along with Nick due to the lack of clues mm-hmm. inside of a burst needle. Finally... The more present watcher causes one to think he will eventually become actively involved. For the same reason, I can't shake the thought of him in the Daily Bugle offices drinking coffee and shooting the breeze with J.J. and Jameson. All in all, a near-perfect episode. Four tiny murderers out of five. Enjoy your holiday, coffee and vodka. Thanks so much, coffee and vodka. Um, we did enjoy our holiday, and thanks to everybody who sent messages uh, saying... Uh Enjoy your holiday. And um, we don't take them very often <laughs> over here at TV podcast industry. So it was great to be away. 
I definitely take your point um, about this about that episode about episode three that it would have been lovely to be able to solve along the whodunit and getting clues as to who it could possibly be. But I kind of loved that reveal and having Michael Douglas coming back as Hank Pym and this more crazed version of him, much more like his comic book counterparts, is really interesting because in the movies, kind of seen it's because Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp are more comedy movies than most of the other MCU movies. He's kind of seen as the kindly grandpa who used to be a superhero. Whereas in the comics, he has quite a long history, um, some very dark. Um, so it's nice that they were able to play with that a little bit in the episode. It's 100% why they did what they did. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the, the comic book character is not a nice person. No, no, he's not. At all. At all. all right. uh, and to the point where they pretty much got rid of him and Scott Lang is the main. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, and a really interesting uh, thought after obviously watching episode four, as we have, um, you know, Watcher getting closer and closer. Um, he's more passively involved in this episode rather than actively involved. But I think I think you're right. Yeah, by the end of the season, we'll probably have him actively involved. Thanks so much, Coffee Vodka. Let's pop on over to Facebook for some more thoughts about episode three. First up, Greg Schwamm says, I thought this was an interesting exploration of a darker path. Last week, we saw how things could go right if certain choices were made. Planets saved, larger heroes created, etc. This week, we saw one in which things went wrong. But one of the aspects that was missing was identifying the one choice that changed the course. I kept hoping for a flashback to show that Fury approached Hope Van Dyne, or that Hank told her the truth about Janet's death, or something. It's one of my favourite parts of these episodes, and while I didn't need to see it initially, I would have liked to know where the path diverged. Having said that, I enjoyed watching the story unfold, the whodunit aspect, although I do seem to have a little pit in my stomach about wondering how badly the story would go after this. Loki enslaved Earth. Captain Marvel murders all the Asgardians. Earth is destroyed. A little similar to I've thought too deeply on the end result of Ego getting to Quill at the end of last week's episode and the potential end to all as we know it. That's pretty dark, Greg. Yep. That's pretty dark. Yeah, every episode has kind of ended with these kind of um, bad stuff uh, potentially on the horizon for everybody, except the first episode with Peggy uh turning up as Captain Car- Carter in the present to start up the Avengers. That was a pretty positive end for the first episode. And then they've all been pretty bad, uh, culminating in episode four, obviously, but the end of a universe, of course. <laughs> uh, Greg, just as a side note as well, if you're interested in what Too Dark for my, for What If may look like, check out Edge of Spider-Verse number four. I think this may have been the comic that the What If the Spider had changed Peter Parker into, spy- into a Spider-Man storyline was based on. That's a really good note, Greg. Yeah, and that's a really good issue. Really? Yeah, no, it's fun. Thank you so much, Greg. And I, I agree. I think we, we kind of settled on that it's just Hope joining um, Shields. That mm-hmm. seems to be the divergent path. Um, but next up, we have some uh, feedback from Heather Wallace, who had this to say. I am enjoying every episode being a different genre, just like the MCU films themselves. The first episode was a war drama second heist and this week is a murder mystery i can't wait for next week mm-hmm. my favorite part this week was loki saying hello to hank pym <laughs> but it really made me laugh i'm impressed with all the voice acting although if i hadn't have seen jeremy renner's name in the opening credits i would have doubted it was him interesting i also laughed at colson's 
password and i knew it would be this week's pub quiz question <laughs> of course it would be of course it'd be. the second we heard it we had to do that uh yeah i love loki with his uh hello and pim good impersonation chris as well thank you, thank you. <laughs> i am trying my tongue to <laughs> thanks heather uh donald dennis says well that episode took a turn and wow the hulk death flashback got really graphic it was neat to see at least for a short period, Loki used his powers to work with S.H.I.E.L.D., but curse his sudden and inevitable betrayal. I think Thor's most unusual power is keeping his hair looking fabulous, even in the rain, instead of looking like a drowned weasel. <laughs> See, there's a lot more to these Asgardians than the uh, powers we know they have. And uh, mm-hmm. nice reference to uh, the Loki episodes uh, there, Donald. Yes, and uh, yeah, no, it is his power. It, it is. <laughs> it, it, it's 100%. Uh, next up, we have some feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips, who said, The variety here is magnificent. It's like Marvel has invested in a genre machine for a series. And while I'm sure I didn't get half the Easter eggs and side glances in this one, Sun too very much giggling and nodding to things that drew a blank for me, <laughs> there was a solidly enough for a casual viewer like me to enjoy Mm -hmm. and yes donald dennis what hair (laughs) which makes me ask the ignorant question is colson straight in agents of sword on earth series because he surely isn't in the multiverse you know i don't even want to give you a real answer to that dr bob after calling it agents of sword on earth series Uh, agents of shield (laughs) and the movies um it's never said whether he's just straight or whether he's bi uh in in the tv show he does have a relationship with the cellist uh played by amy acker in the show and he does have a relationship of course with melinda may uh in the show but his love of captain america um does betray that he does have additional feelings so um yeah there you go so not not an ignorant question uh just not 100% 100% said. No, not at all. But when you have gods among men walking beside you, mm-hmm. yay, we're all we're all willing to go, look at that luscious hair. I think that would turn everybody's head, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Uh, Joe Stiley says, man, this went from being my favourite Marvel thing ever to above average in one episode. I tried to love this one. Watched it three times, but it's just so uninteresting to me. Only one word is coming to mind right now, and that's bad, which is completely unfair. But my Marvel standard is very high at this point. Interesting, Joe. Yeah, no, look. And look, every episode, like every film, doesn't need to be for everyone. Absolutely. It is, is, as uh, Dr. Bob said, it is a genre machine of a series. So hopefully you liked episode four. Yeah, I think what's the whodunit aspect of that episode is, is completed, of episode three is completed, I think. There's not as much replay value. You maybe get one more watch out of it and then you go, okay, now I can see how it all connects together. Whereas episode four, I must say, watching it the second time on a, on our home TV after watching it while we were on holiday, um, was far superior than watching it the first time. I thought it was, I thought it was even better and I can't wait to see that again. So, uh, maybe it's just the episode, uh, Joe. Um, Diana Debreen Maskell says, I didn't love this episode as much as the others, but there was much to love about it. Colson and Fury were a continuous delight. I do love how these episodes bring in so many different movies. Excellent, Diana. I totally agree with you. I loved seeing Colson and Fury together. Uh, it's one of my pleasures about watching Captain Marvel is seeing those two actors uh, playing, off against, playing off against each other like they did back in the Avengers. I really enjoyed that. Yes. 
Thank you so much, Deanna. We now have some feedback from Brandy, who said, This week, it seems the decision that led to these events was bigger than the previous episodes. In episode one, it was Peggy deciding not to go to the balcony. Episode two was Chichala stepping out of the Wakanda bubble. This episode seems like the catalyst was Hope deciding to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Mm-hmm. A decision we actually don't get to see because it took place some years ago. We only know she's been dead two years. Mm-hmm. But that decision led to her dying on a mission, which is the reason Hank is seeking vengeance on S.H.I.E.L.D., which leads to five of the six OG Avengers dying. So now it looks like the Avengers will be made up of their namesake and the first Avenger. It was nice to see a big decision lead to changes and that what appears to be big issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agree, Randy. Very much agree. Exactly, and we see it again in this episode, another massive change to a universe caused by one choice. So, uh, yeah, 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 really like that. It's that what if you took a left instead of a right. Exactly. Next up, we have some feedback from Jeff Giles, who says, I like the progression of these episodes. Episode one was a familiar territory. It was essentially First Avenger with Peggy instead of Steve. Episode two took what we thought would be a familiar in a weird right angle from Guardians we see what a huge difference a person with character and integrity can make. Episode 3 was a wholly its own thing. While we saw bits and bobs from the films, it was an original story. I'm excited to see where we go from here. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, we've gone somewhere. And we Episode certainly 4, have. we definitely went somewhere. <laughs> we definitely did. Thanks very much, Jeff. Uh, finally, from Facebook, uh, on Episode 3, Claire Laffer says... I can't believe that Mephisto was controlling him to kill all of the Avengers. <laughs> it all leads back to Mephisto. You are never letting it cloud Claire, are you? <laughs> Have you seen the ones where Strange is Mephisto now in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? Oh, of course. It's of course. Because it's just, he's cold and lights a fire. Excellent. Before we go on to our some thoughts on this episode of episode four, uh, we have a few voicemails in. First up, Brandy Elise Anderson sent a message through our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. I really like Marvel's What If, but I have found myself less inclined to watch the episodes more than once. I'm not even that interested in watching a YouTube reaction on these series, which is something I usually enjoy. And I would say it's even trickled down into the amount of feedback that I've been sharing with my fellow defenders. So I had to wonder, wait, has Marvel given me too much too soon in 2021? I mean, here it is August and we've had four series and a movie. And we still have three more movies before this year even ends. Don't worry, that's not it. Because I've rewatched the other three series and have started one of them since What If has come on. So if I'm not feeling overwhelmed with the amount of Marvel that I'm getting, why am I not connecting to this series the same way I did with the others? And I just think for me, it's the fact that there is no storyline. There's no plot and nothing that's bringing me back to know what happens next. Which is fine because I think that what it feels like filler episodes to the greater series that is the MCU. And filler episodes are fine. They're a nice palate cleanser, but they're not having me on the edge of my feet. And therefore, I'm reacting to them differently. And that's okay. Thanks, Brandy. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's one way of looking at it as a kind of a, as a, a sorbet palate cleanser between <laughs> meals. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think the, I, I'm seeing a lot of these different kind of reactions. It's like, I haven't rewatched it 20 times, so it's not as good. I think it's because, as you say, it was to use the filler. I don't think I, I like the term filler. I think it's because they're self-contained. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they are si- essentially a single universe in a single story in a single episode. Yeah. And that, that whereas the films, the TV shows are, are longer, there, there's more to them. I think very much. There's only so much you can pack in in 27 to 33 minutes. So they're not, unless they literally just did Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's limited, but it's look again, a palate cleanser is a palate cleanser for a reason. Well, yeah, but the fact that they are trying to do standalone stories every week, you can jump in and watch episode eight and you can jump in and watch episode six. That's something that we haven't seen from Marvel before. Yeah. We've, we've never seen them do this. Um, and this is their first animated show. So that was, of course, the premise of the What If comics going back from the 70s. It was always pick up an issue and read the one you're interested in. So never really exploring the story further than the one issue. And sometimes you'd have double-sized issues, which had a bit more explanation of one story, but it would never really go beyond those issues yeah. of What If. So. That's exactly how the show is. But I am wondering, we are four episodes in, as we said, the, the central theme here is watch your watches on. Um, and will we see that start to come into the show? And as you look back on the full series, will we have seen the build up to the watcher coming in and interrupting a timeline or, or changing something? Uh, is that the way they will have a through line to the stories? I think so. That I think that's where potentially where we're going to go on this. Thank you so much, Brandy. Next up, we've got a final piece of feedback on episode three from the one, the only Steve Brown. Hello, TV podcast, Jersey's Industries. This is Steve. Uh, this is for what if episode three, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? Uh, another, another great multiverse bending kind of, uh, show, right? I mean, a lot of implications around and obviously for the, for the earth, a, a huge, huge change. Um, but I absolutely love the twist at the end of who was the killer. And I can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one and uh, tell us what you thought, what your big moments were for it. And, uh, yeah, it's just another one. They're just getting better and better. I'm really glad they started with, with, uh, what if Captain Carter was the first Avenger because these have all just gotten better and better each week, in my opinion. All right. Talk to you later. Yes, they have, Steve. Yes, they have. <laughs> that is they, my they feedback. Really have. And, feedback. And, yeah, and continued on getting better into episode four. Let's let's go into some feedback on this episode, episode four. It is interesting, isn't it, as we watch the episodes and get and, and we're reading feedback from uh, people before they'd seen episode four. It's interesting that everybody's wondering where the show's going to go. And now we see in episode four how big the concept can be, I suppose. Um, first up, Jerry sends us an email saying, Hey, guys, this for sure is the darkest episode today, so probably for the season. Wow, a dark Groundhog Day episode. Is it just me, or did the Ancient One come off as not so smart as she was in the in the movie, splitting Doctor Strange? Why would she do that? There are parts of the animation that remind me of the old Lord of the Rings animated movie by Ralph Bakshi. I was watching for Captain Carter to show up in the episode, where the tentacle appeared. This was such a downer, though. Just like the original What If comic. What if the phoenix had not died? Everything just gets totally destroyed. This episode was great, visually outstanding. The Watcher reinforcing what he observes. So dark. So dark. <laughs> I think it was pretty dark, Jerry. And I know you send uh, you send your 
emails in directly after after having watched the episodes as well. So, um, so I, I I know you must have been still impacted by uh, by the darkness of as as I love your description, the dark Groundhog Day, over and over again, repeating the same thing or trying to change things, trying to save Christine, and all of them falling apart. Um, yeah, thanks, yeah. Jerry. No. Thanks, Jerry. That's a, it's a nice way of describing it. I think that's one I'll use going forward. Next up, we have an email from Coffee and Vodka. They had this to say. Greetings, Shakespearean defenders. Take one tr- part tragic loss, a large measure of privilege, half pound of obsession, an ancient library, and the power to see your visions through. Flawless tragedy, simply and beautifully told. We got a strange, more human and less complete Broken on the inside, literally, half blind to the consequences of returning the love which would make him whole. A brilliant cautionary tale that illustrates the no limitations of the what-if universe. Not since Infinity War have we had a story so realistically envisioned. Not even any way to shoehorn in my mystic fisticuffs all alliteration <laughs> five out of five broken sorcerer hearts thank you coffee and vodka yeah that's it was exactly shakespearean all she had. i do like the recipe analogy you've just mm-hmm. gone from here it's a nice way of doing it well yeah. done that's very true yeah very very shakespearean story here um coffee vodka. i see you enjoyed it exactly as much as we did really um yes thanks so much for the feedback uh 084 got in contact with us as well they had the following thoughts some what if 104 feedback what a downer in mood not in quality the animation really shines here and the exploration of themes and character is top notch although it's rather interesting that we're at two straight episodes where the crux of the story is a woman dying and a man acting on the pain of that loss marvel have you been sponsored by frigid air for this show that said, both stories have handled that particular trope well. It seems like the writer, A.C. Bradley, uses the trope to show her male antagonists focusing more on their own pain than that of their late loved one and turning it onto the world rather than processing it in a healthy way. And it clearly shows their actions as the wrong way to react to loss. It's fitting because men are often chastised by each other more for grieving in healthy ways than unhealthy. Part of me expected Strange Supreme to win this battle over his other half because of the No Way Home theory. Uh, that it's a different Doctor Strange Peter is dealing with. And it looks like that's still on the table. The idea of an absolute point on one specific timeline, but not others like ours, is fascinating to me and is definitely going to spark conversation about absolute points versus Nexus event versus Nexus beings. In my mind, an absolute point is a required event in one specific timeline. A Nexus event is just something that strays too far from He Who Remains Sacred timeline. And the MCU's version of a Nexus being like Wanda is somebody who is too powerful for the TVA to prune. Until next time, and Shang-Chi feedback, 084. Thanks, 084. Great thoughts there. Yeah, thanks, 084. Um, I agree with pretty much all of it, bar the, um, essentially, the Nexus beings. Okay. Because I think the Nexus beings, the way that they're describing to date, is that those who can alter the multiverse at a scale of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So one that can alter the multiverse Doctor Strange can alter the multiverse. Um, that they are nexus beings. They are the, the pinnacle points. Um, and yes, then the, the key who should not make can conquer nexus beings because they can alter it at a fundamental level. And I think that's where they're going. Happy to be proven wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Next up, we have some uh, feedback, a small piece from um, Shamise, who said, The Watcher Speaks. This is a bittersweet episode. You knew it was only going to end in ultimate destruction, but the ride to the end was so worth it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's the kind of majority of the feedback we got throughout this uh, from most people is it was dark, deep, and but worth the ride. Mm Mm-hmm. Parthenia also sent her thoughts on the series so far. She said, Hello there, fellow Defenders. I have really been enjoying the What If series. I'm not sure if I ever really intended to watch it, but I'm glad I am. The episodes are great. Your reviews, as always, are enjoyable. I love hearing what you think the episode title will be. I think I would enjoy watching each episode without knowing the title. For mm-hmm. example, knowing that episode three was titled What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? Kind of a spoiler alert. Initially, when I saw Tony Stark kneel over after getting shot in the neck, I thought he was joking. But then I remember the heroes are dying in this episode. So I caught on rather quickly to be more obvious point that he was dead. I have a question, and it may be a dumb one, but please help me understand the timeline. Nick Fury had the Avengers Initiative files, and Thor was one of the heroes on the wish list. But wasn't this his first encounter with the man with the beautiful hair? Did he already know of Thor? I know that I'm just missing something, but please help me here. I'm so confused. Thanks so much, Parthenia. Um, yeah, I don't think you're missing anything there, Parthenia. Um, I think you've just pointed out that it is... Not Flawed. correct. Yeah. The the hammer that's in the desert that Coulson goes to investigate in the comic and, and in the in the movie, that's the initial indication that something powerful is there. But Thor isn't technically on the Avengers roster. Um I wonder if Hank is there and takes out Hawkeye and realizes that Thor is also a very powerful being and takes him out at the same time. I wonder if that's if that's what's happening, but I don't think Nick Fury had a list of the potential people in the Avengers initiative at this stage, even though this episode tells us that that's what Hank is working off to kill, um, to kill all the future Avengers. Um, because as we said in the, in, in our episode discussion, technically Tony Stark isn't, a, isn't an Avenger. He became a consultant. Um, yeah. he wasn't an Avenger until after the events that brought Loki to Earth with, uh, with, Thanos's troops, right? So, um, so technically, he was probably looking for just very powerful people. Potentially, maybe that was it. Yeah, I think that's it. There you go. I think I think they were there to kill Hawkeye, and essentially, he just took out Thor as a happy accident. Could be completely wrong, but, uh, but yeah. that's uh, an interesting point you've you've uh, you've uncovered there, Bethany. Yes, thank you so much, Bethany. Bethany actually went on to ask a few more questions and got a bit more feedback. Um. She said this. Also, how exactly did Loki know his brother was dead? Did Heimendahl tell them? The news traveled incredibly fast. Yes, Heimendahl. Uh, yeah, yeah, Has exactly to be. Heimendahl's watching out for the yeah. death of any of the gods of Asgard, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. Um, she goes on to say, I didn't expect Pym to be the villain. I also hadn't decided if I liked the part of the story. It was a bit of a letdown. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. I've also enjoyed everything else. Captain Carter was cute. In my opinion, she looked like a 90s WWE female wrestler. Mm. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about that episode was it alluded to girl power. But Steve, a man, was still there trying to help save the day. Episode 3 and 4 had me 
the most engaged. The Doctor Strange episode, loved it. Didn't expect any of that to happen. I never predicted that was what was next. And finally, the Watcher that had been looming and getting seemingly closer in each episode has finally spoken to our main character. I thought this was the moment where he finally was going to get his hands dirty and help the stupid human from making another grave mistake. But he didn't. And that was very interesting. I can't wait to see what's next. I feel it build up to something more. Mm. Hope you two enjoyed your holidays. Thanks to the three of you for providing this space. Keep it up. Loyal fan here. The one, the only, Parthenia Locklear. Thank you, Parthenia. We will continue to keep this up as mm-hmm. long as you all continue to listen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even if one of you is listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we will then, then it's to... just a Zoom call at that point. That's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, Parthenia. I'm really glad you're enjoying the series as well. Um, yeah, there's lots of lots of twists and turns in this show that you just have no idea what way it's going to go. The minds of the writers for this show are fantastic. Uh, finally, on email, Victor Sellers asks a question. Who is this kind, self-deprecating Doctor Strange in this episode? He is in love with someone other than himself. Should the paradox paradox have started here before the death of Christine? Somebody please explain, Victor Von Doom. Uh, I think we actually talked about this a little bit in the episode, Victor, that um, there is just that tiny twist that Christine is coming along for um, this meal with, with Stephen. And because she dies, he realizes how much he really loves, uh, really loves her. But, uh, but you are right. As I think John mentioned that, uh, probably wouldn't have even gotten to that point. Um, in, if it was the movie version of Doctor Strange, I don't think it takes place exactly at the point. It looks like they've had a little bit of a relationship. She seems yeah. a little bit more open with Stephen, uh, in these moments than she was, uh, when we saw her in the movie. So there is a slight difference, but, uh, that's the fun of the storytelling and what if, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's pop on over to Facebook. Uh, first up, Heather Wallace says, I wonder how long it took the writers to come up with absolute point in time as an alternative for fixed point in time to avoid Doctor Who copyright infringements. <laughs> Quite a uh, long time. I would say so. I absolutely thought the same thing. If you've watched uh, Doctor Who over the last um, over the last 10 years since it came back, uh, they use fixed point in time to explain why Doctor Who can't just, you know, wave his magic screwdriver and uh, and sort out every single problem. Um Hold on, magic screw, sonic screwdriver. I know. Come on, I know. It's Can't because the episode was about sorcery, so I was I was combining the two. Sure, yes, I know it was sonic sure. screwdriver, Chris. I've been watching it for ten years longer than you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I'm older. Yes, of course. Thank you so much, Heather. Um, continuing our Facebook feedback, we have feedback from Joe Steinley, who said, "What a dark, heartbreaking, and absolutely amazing episode." This was the first episode without a recast. And shout out to Leslie Bibb for returning as Christine Everhart. Yeah, as Derek called out, that was great. Mm, it is. Good it's really catch. interesting, isn't it? And and so amazing to see uh, all of that cast return. You know, a lot of them obviously would have been uh, filming in London on the second uh, the second Doctor Strange movie. Um, so they'd all be close together and still under uh, under Marvel. Like even having Tilda Swinton back as the ancient one in this episode, that's a real surprise because you know that she filmed that movie six years ago, five six years yeah. ago. You know, so and there isn't the greatest reaction about the ancient one. Um, uh, in, from the general public. So great to have her back in here. I do wonder if she's opened the door for having her return in uh, the Multiverse of Madness. This idea that she's able to talk to Stephen in here because she's because of an echo that she's left behind after she's died. I wonder is that indicating that 
in Multiverse of Madness, we may see Tilda Swinton back in there. Potentially. Strong potential there. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Ronaldo also shared his thoughts. He says, what a very different and dark tale. I didn't expect that, but by the end, I was left as alone as when it all turned black. Cumberbatch has done so well. And good to hear at least Rachel McAdams in more of her role. To have such a bleak ending, though, really gave it a point of difference. I've been loving all the episodes so far. They each bring something interesting to the table. Definitely, Ronaldo. Yeah, totally agree with that. Donald Dennis says, While I still liked it so far, this is my least favourite episode, probably because it felt like a different character in Stranger's Body. In the movies, it never seemed like he could care that much about anyone. I realise it is the nature of time loops, but wow, this felt repetitive. Like they were filling time. When I saw what looked like the Watcher's shape appear in Stranger's Shadow, I really thought he'd consumed the Watcher. But wow, it was beautiful. Lots of neat art. As a librarian, I would legit hate to have Armani as a patron. Also, if Armani's summoning of the Hydra Beast was before World War II, and it looks like it was, that may explain why the Beast was so violent when Red Skull summoned it, assuming he's multidimensional. <laughs> Interesting. So, Strange summons the Beast twice, right? The Tentacle Beast twice. Yep. And removes tentacles the second time he summons it, sending it back out of their dimension. So, maybe he summoned it before World War II. Um, Captain Carter pushed it back in through the portal. Strange pulled it back out, chopped off some of the tentacles, releasing Peggy into present day. <laughs> Maybe that's the connection between the yeah. timelines. How about that one? That could work, <laughs> potentially, but that means Captain Carter's dead now. No, no, no. Captain Carter was pushed out into the universe when Strange cut off some of the but tentacles. when she came Maybe. back at the end, remember? Maybe that's it, you know? Could be, could be, could be. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. Thanks, Donald. Uh, Dr. Bob had this to say. Well, after the last 18 months of deep, dark reality, ending with that, that searing despair of the world ended by a misguided and ducked up decision taken by some entitled, posh, cis male, straight white guy for his own satisfaction over that of the world at large. Core blimey. On the other hand, I love to see a bit of heterochromia iridium different colored eyes for old bang and i bet the funko pop of misguided dr change will be amazing yep it will be 100 percent. i've seen some artwork it was already on twitter it looks fantastic it does so cool. it does and remember if you enter the uh the uh, what if pub quiz you could be in with a chance of winning uh the dr strange funko pop or one of them at least um do you know what I found really interesting when I saw this uh, this feedback in from uh, Dr. Bob Phillips? What? The uh, different colored eyes, the the heterochromia iridium. Um, I never knew before, because uh, I was checking out what it meant, uh, unfortunately. I don't have it at the top of my mind, uh, Dr. Bob. Uh, I was checking out what it meant. I never realized um, until I looked it up that Benedict Cumberbatch has this what? exact condition. Um, he has a, a specific version of it where when you look at his eyes, in different ways, he has three different eye colours that could be dominant, effectively. So, uh, isn't that really interesting? Oh, God. Why are these people so, like... It's like the Olympians during the Olympics and even the Paralympics. I'm looking at these people going, God, you're so much better than me. <laughs> I don't know whether it be... Benedict Cumberbatch's eyes are better than my eyes. Well, I, don't, I, don't think has, eyes. I don't think it has a power of changing uh, the eye colour. I think it's just, depending on the light in the room, it can look between blue or green or brown, I think, is the other, uh, gold uh, is the other colour. So I found that really interesting. Yeah. No, and the, and Thank then you, incorporating it into, a, into an animated show as well. That's really cool. Thanks, yes. Dr. Bob. Yes, thank you. Uh, Richard Blaze had this to say. That episode was equally beautiful, 
poignant and disturbing. Easily my favorite one so far. Mm-hmm. Yep. Three, uh, a story of three parts. Beautiful, poignant, and disturbing. There you go. <laughs> uh, Diana Debris Mascal had this to say. Beautiful, heartbreaking, and of course, this is how the world will end. Death by hubris. There you go. It's a doctor. Of course it has to be death by hubris. Victor Sellers but went on to say, powerful episode. This Doctor Strange could rival Wanda Maximoff on coping with grief. Perhaps they could compare notes somewhere in the multiverse. Uh, perhaps that's exactly what they will be doing in the multiverse <laughs> that of makes madness. Me yeah. there before me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Victor. Edge Ebersol says, It's a very dark and sad thought to have all this power, but you can't save the one you love without ruining the universe, which also destroys the one you love. The music played during the credits was so powerful and sad that it really made me feel the pain and hurt that Doctor Strange was feeling. I also love the Watcher interacting with one of our characters. Is he going to start interfering with these multiverses and decisions? Did anyone else notice how similar the evil Doctor Strange looked to the Doctor Strange on the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? Especially when Peter was battling Doctor Strange on the train? Is this one of the What If episodes that expands into more detail? I absolutely love the show and can't wait for next week. I also love the podcast and look forward to hearing your thoughts each week. Thanks, AJ. I'm still not too sure how similar this Doctor Strange looked to the Doctor Strange in the, in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. I did enjoy the trailer. I must admit, I've seen it twice. But that's as far as I'm going to go. I hate, I hate going too in-depth and spoiling myself for a movie because I've watched the trailer too many times. So um, so I'm not too sure how, how close he looked. Um, I think he was just cold in, in snow. Yeah. As we all were, it is coming into winter, and he has a big hole in his roof, although the hole in the roof theory is still kind of... Anyway, I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Okay, okay. It is Mephisto. We're not going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> we're not. We're Let's not. move on Thanks, to the AJ. next piece. Thanks very much, AJ. Appreciate your feedback. We also have a piece of feedback from Jeff Childs, who said, I didn't catch it on my first watch. At the beginning of this episode, Dr. Strange is on his way to accept an award for a radical hemispherectomy, a procedure that removes half the brain or separates the two hemispheres. This foreshadows the Ancient One creating a Nexus event that separates the two Doctor into two halves. Wow. Damn, Jeff. Jeff Childs, well done. I would give you the magnificent... uh call out uh, from the collector from uh, from Garden of the, of the Galaxy. Uh, fantastic catch there. And of course, that's what's meant. It is a different procedure than the one he gets the award for in Doctor Strange. So uh, so I'm sure they specifically chose that. That's a that's a really good catch. And sorry, Chris, you've gotten all the, uh, the medical procedures in our feedback this week, but it is Doctor right. Strange, so... <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm not editing it, so the 50 takes it took to get that one name mm-hmm. does not matter. That's my Our job. final piece of feedback uh, from Facebook comes from Claire Latha, who added, it was incredible at the end when he turned into a big old Mephisto. Yep. It's not going to work, Claire. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Until the final episode is, what if everyone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Mephisto? Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much, Claire. Uh to close out our feedback on episode four, we have some thoughts from Steve Brand. Whoa, such a good episode. Hey, this is Steve. Uh, this is for What If episode four, uh, Doctor, the Doctor Strange one. Wow, uh, so dark. Um, I, I, I have no words. I have, I have no words at all. This, this, one, this one's going to take multiple watches uh, to get over it. But wow. Um, such a strong episode. Can't wait to hear everybody's takes on this one. 
Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, I'm in shock there, I see. And uh, and you probably heard it in the background a little bit there. Exactly as AJ said, the music from the end of the episode was fantastic. A really emotional piece that was written there. Um, I think I was talking to Matt Murdock about this on Twitter uh, last week. He didn't send in any thoughts about the music from this episode because he was totally expecting the Doctor Strange theme would be changed uh, because we had a different style of Doctor, Doctor Strange. Um, they did use the Doctor Strange theme right at the beginning when he's standing outside talking to Christine. We hear a, a, a few strains of the Doctor Strange theme tune, but from then on, it's a reasonably original score. We do hear just little little bits of it throughout the episode, but uh, mostly original score for this episode, and it is fantastic. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think I've only got one more viewing of this one in me as of the moment. Um, I'll probably do a secondary full season rewatch at some point. Right. Once we get the full season done. You don't want to watch it too many more times or else you'll, uh, you'll no, have then a bad just, evening. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's pretty much just kind of depressing, you know, yeah. the whole universe ends. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been a great episode. We've uh, shared lots of thoughts on the episode here, but I think I'll, I'll be watching this reasonably often. Um, I really, uh, until at least we get. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 out there. Thanks to everyone who's been sending us some feedback. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts. You can also uh, head on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. You can find us over on Twitter at tvpodindustries or on Instagram, of course. Uh, you can see us at tvpodcastindustries there as well. Thanks so much yes. for joining us for this discussion. Yes, thank you so much. Please make sure you head on over to your podcast catcher of choice or any of the major Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, podcast players, and you can like, share, subscribe, because sharing the podcast is sharing their love. You can also head on over to support this little old wee business we do in the <laughs> corner by heading on over to patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries, where for a single supreme sorcerer dollar, no, it still doesn't work, a magically infused dollar, you can help keep the lights on. You can help keep the engines going and our podcast coming into your audio receptacles, also known as ears. If you'd like to help with a single donation, why not head over to buymecoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can buy our illustrious editor a single coffee. Because this is a two-hour-plus podcast, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long edit for him. Mm-hmm. But... Thank you so much. If you'd like to subscribe or get any of those links, head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe, like, share, blah, 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 and do all the fun things. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back to chat about What If Episode 5 next week. Hey, Chris. Yeah? You've been enjoying What If, haven't you? I have. What if every creature on the planet with the Y chromosome died instantly? That is the premise of the next show that we're going to be covering on on TV Podcast Industries, Why the Last Man starts in the US on the 13th of September. Uh, and then in the UK and Ireland, we're going to be getting the first three episodes released on uh, Star on Disney Plus uh, from the 22nd of September. And I think you're going to enjoy this show if you've liked What If, the uh, the premise that they're using here for Why the Last Man, based on an excellent comic book by Brian Vaughn and Pia Guerra. Um, excellent comic book, going to be a really good series. Um, what do you think? Do you think people are going to enjoy it, Chris? Oh, they're going to love it. Yeah. If you like Walking Dead. Yes. If you like comic books. If you like... I don't know how to put... I, I can't even put my finger. If you like 
really well told stories, there is a high potential you will like this. Show. There you go. Well, that sounds like everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. If you liked, if you liked HBO Watchmen, potentially you will like this. Maybe, maybe. If you like Lovecraft Country, potentially you will like this. <laughs> there you go. If you so that's coming out. Any other show, it. you will like this. <laughs> so that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, until then, we of course will be back with What If Episode Five next week. Yes, thank you so much for listening. And in the immortal words of our dearly departed John, keep watching, keep listening, keep defending. He's not dead, he's just gone downstairs. He's just departed the room, that's it. He's departed the room. It is still departing. (laughs) It is, it is. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.